0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters Podcast. My name is Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. And as always, this podcast is kindly sponsored by the Health and Safety Event. And if you don't know about the Health and Safety Event, where have you been? It now takes place in April. Back next year, it's going to be and it's going to take place at the NEC in Birmingham. Now it's completely free to attend and it's co-located with the fire safety event, the security event, and the workplace event. Now we're a very proud lead media partner of that at HSM and, you know, we've got to stand there and it's now the single biggest health and safety exhibition in the UK, jammed full of CPD content as well. So I would strongly urge you to come and join us, go have a chat with us, enjoy the exhibition and all the great content that's on. And that will take place on the 25th to 27th of April in 2023 at the ADC Birmingham. If you want more information, all you need to do is go to healthandsafetyevent.com. Now, as always, you don't need to wait for this podcast to get the latest health and safety news. You can go to our website, which is hsmsearch.com. Now, if you don't remember that, just put into Google your search engine, health and safety matters, and up we pop. Now, the website's a perfect place to go, so you can request copies of the magazine in print or digital form for free, six times a year, plus the BSIF UK Guide to Health and Safety that we do, and the PPE Insights Guide as well. You can also sign up to get our twice week e-newsletter for free. And you can also, and this is what a lot of people do, go on there, click on the webinars tab, and look at all of our upcoming CPD webinars and all of our huge back catalogue of free CPD webinars to watch on demand. So I would strongly urge you to do that. You can also see all the latest health and safety news, prosecutions, and products and services on hsmsearch.com. So, as always, we start off with the news, and we've got quite a bit of news to uh, deal with this episode of the podcast. So. I think where I want to start with it is the key one, which is the latest workplace fatality figures have been published. So 123 workers were killed in work-related incidents in Great Britain in the last year, according to figures published on the 6th of July 2022. By the Health and Safety Executive, this is the annual data release, which covers the period from April twenty one to March twenty twenty two, during which time the pandemic restrictions have obviously been lifted, and you know the economy had been going uh, back to normal. Let's not have a lengthy discussion about uh, the economic situation that we will find at the moment. So the industry with the highest deaths was, well, sadly, as what you it to be, still construction, agriculture, forestry, and fishing. Manufacturing, so there's 30 in construction, 22 in manufacturing, um, 22 also in forestry and fishing. Um, Though agriculture, forestry, and fishing has that highest rate of injuries per 100,000 workers, according to the new statistics. The three most common causes of fatal injuries continue to be falls from height, which is 29, being struck by a moving vehicle, which is 23, and being struck by a moving object, which was 18. So the 123 worker deaths during this period is lower than the previous year though it is in line with pre-pandemic figures there's been a long-term downward trend as we all know in this in the rate of fatal injuries at work um no in the years prior um you've got to expect in this recent year you had the coronavirus pandemic that uh, made this Spike a bit, but uh, now that figure is uh, broadly flat again. So a further 80 members of the public were killed following work-related accidents in 2021 This is an increase on the previous year, but below the pre-pandemic level. This is likely to reflect, obviously, COVID restrictions. So, so what I mean by that is, yeah, would public injuries were down greatly um in the last set of figures because we all had lockdowns. Um so now it's gone up now everyone's back out in uh back out in the wild, so to speak. But um I think, you know, we just need to look at the key statistics here. And I I will quote HSE's Chief Executive Sarah Alvin in a minute. There's a no little positives. The figures are down. Yes, I think you can say over the last ten years or so, they have been down or relatively flat, and some could say, oh, you know, There's been only 123 worker deaths. It's still too many. Everyone has a right to go home safe. That's the fact. But we do have to look at the positives. The trend has been very strong in terms of reducing this um, over the last 10, 15 years. Um, The UK is really leading the way in that. And that's because of people like you that do the jobs that you do to keep us all safe. And a lot of credit deserves to be there for that. But, you know, sadly, I think all of us listening to this could have guessed what the single biggest uh, sector of problems is going to be, which is construction, and what the single biggest uh, cause of injury is going to be, which is work at height. And once again, that is the case. So we take the good news, which is obviously that uh, stuff is on the downturn again, but, you know, obviously it's sad that we have to report a single death. So, Sarah Album, who's as I said, as Chief Executive of HC, said, While Great Britain is one of the safest countries to work in the world, today's figures show we must continue to ensure safety remains a priority. Every loss for life is a tragedy, and we're committed to making workplaces safer and holding employers to account for their actions as part of our mission to protect people and places. So, it's also worth saying that the HC has also published the annual figures on mesothelioma, which, uh, if you don't know, is a cancer that can be caused by past exposure to asbestos. That figure shows 2,544 people died from the disease in 2020. This is in line with the average of 2,523 deaths over the previous eight years. Current muscle Oma deaths reflect exposure to testosterone that mainly occurred before the 1980s, and annual deaths are expected to decline during the next decade. So, as always, you know we, we throw that statistic in every year, um, as the HSE do. So, for me, that was the biggest... Um, news that's come out uh, since last edition of the podcast and if you want to read about it online and get a bit more detail go to hsmsearch.com and put in the search box workplace fatality figures published and up that will come okay so the next topic that i want to talk about is pretty current so we've just had a record high temperatures in the uk ever of over 40 degrees and you know i find it really interesting um you know, many people lucky enough to, to go on holiday in Europe and further afield than that, and and experience temperatures far higher than that. But our country had real issues. We had fires. We had you know serious ill health for people that had the side effects of not being used to dealing with the heat. We had runways at Luton melting, and you uh, know, <laughs> able to have flights. You know, it it it's a completely different thing than we're used to talking about on here, being quite frank, where in in winter I'll do a news story like this talking about the the risks of outdoor working in the cold. Uh, So the British Occupational Hygiene Society, BOHS, um, has talked about, you know, the need to improve heat risk awareness. So they're calling for a greater awareness of the risks to agricultural workers during uk heat waves pointing out that there is better messaging in the farming sector on heat risks for cattle than there is for humans so as we said when, when the temperatures rose to record levels this is obviously a concern they put this information out and um as part of a significant heat fluctuation. the society cites that the direct impact of heat stress on the human body is a real issue. Workers not acclimatised to working in heat or without hydration and shade run the risks of heat exhaustion, which can manifest as fatigue, giddiness, nausea or headaches. So Chris Keane, who's the president of BOHS, said, with seasonal workers operating over long shifts over the summer harvest period, the combination of heat exhaustion and the operation of farm machinery is a recipe for both expensive and potentially dangerous mistakes. With record temperatures and pressures on the harvest and food process, there's a genuine risk of heat stroke, which can lead to loss of consciousness and can result in death if not detected at an early stage. The Society points out that each year during heat waves in the UK, hundreds of working age people die from heat stroke. is calling for the farming organisations and the agricultural press to do more to highlight the direct risks associated with heat stress and then the broader impacts of heat stress on safety, mental health and long-term ill health. So their call comes as MPs have laid down nearly damation to limit the threshold for working temperatures to 30 degrees. So this is an interesting topic. I mean, I've got to say it was truly odd Looking at the uh the national press talking about um excessive heat in the UK, not what we're used to, not what we're used to doing. I mean, like anything. You have to take obvious steps to make sure that um, people aren't, you know, make sure there's proper ventilation. If you can, making sure that people are aware of the risks of overheating, make sure they've got the proper amount of fluids, making sure they've got skin protection, for example, from the sun, if, if they're outdoor workers. You know, that that is something that um, really needs to, to, to be considered. So, I mean... It is interesting, though, the whole country almost wanted to come down to a standstill for temperatures that are the highest on our record and and were very hot. But we're actually, you know, somewhat par for the course for large parts of Europe in the summer. I do feel like our European and international counterparts are more equipped to deal with this than the, than the British. To be honest, um, we seem to uh, not know what to do in this situation, but. The issue is a serious issue, and 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 certainly in the agricultural sector, when you are working outside so much, I agree with BOHS. We need to um, we need to highlight the risks and what you need to do to protect people in situations. I think I think we all accept that our climate is changing. In this sense, you know, we are going to, have to deal with more heat waves in the United Kingdom. That is going to happen. I mean, whether an early date motion to limit the what temperature for thirty degrees is the right situation. I, I don't know. Um, these things, obviously, are going to have to discuss as as our climate increases, we are going to have to evolve and deal with increased temperatures. That it seems, but what does need to be done is employers need to make sense. Sorry, need to make a huge effort to make sure workers are protected and aware of the risks. That is something I completely, completely agree with. So. The other thing that I uh, wanted to talk to you about was the HSM Digital Conferences now. Coming back. As we had a huge success last year with over 2,500 of you taking part, it is now a two-day free-to-attend digital conference on the 5th and 6th of October. Everyone that goes gets CPD. And, you know, you can network with each other by sending direct messages to each other, have live chats in the room with everybody, request video calls. You can... Also find out more information on our sponsors, which are Eco Online, Intellect and Safety Chair. You can go to the Sponsors tabs and you can see exclusive PDF and video content that's there for you to enjoy and you can get in touch with them. But it is a two-day digital conference that you can do from your own home. And, you know, we have got a great lineup of speakers. We've got the BSIF, as you'd expect, um, Alan Murray's, the a Session. Uh, we've got sessions on making peeps personal, uh, from Adam Walden, who's a Principal Consultant of Safety Chair. We have got a session from Nibosh, Natalie Cherborn, on Managing Workplace Stress from a Distance. We've got Kevin Bampton from BOHS, who we are just talking about, uh, talking about hearing protection, mental health, physical safety, sustainability. And that's just day one. Day two, we've got an address from the Health and Safety Executive. We have got a session um, on... Mid-market orientated, how to build a business case to do with health and safety from Toby South uh, from Intellects. We have got the line manager paradox, the value and impact of line managers on workplace wellbeing, being being delivered by the British Safety Council. We've got a session being delivered from IOSH as well. So, and there's plenty more still to announce. As I said, that takes place on the 5th to 6th of October 2022. It's completely free. To attend and i really hope you do um, for any or all of the two days and if you want to register it's completely free to do so go to hsmdigitalconference.com that is hsmdigitalconference.com well now we're going to break up the news for a moment and uh, we're going to bring in our main guest for this edition of the podcast and i'm delighted that we've been able to sit down with peter mcgetrick who is the chair who has been for the last nine months, actually, of the British Safety Council. Peter is someone that I know very well um, because he's also uh, at Turner and Townsend and I've known him for a long, long time. And, and Peter's been involved in the British Safety Council for a number of years. And as he'll tell you, is a health and safety practitioner uh, with uh, decades of experience. So this is a really interesting interview. It tells us all about what Peter's role at the British Safety Council is, what the British Safety Council are trying to do, the problems that they face, their ambitions, what they want to do over the coming years during his tenure there, and also reasons why you guys should consider becoming a member of the British Safety Council. So I sat down with uh, Peter earlier, and here's what he had to say.
1: Hi Peter, how are you? I'm very well, thank you Mark. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. I mean, this is a pleasure for me. We've known each other for a number of years and worked together in in your day job at Turner and Townsend on many projects. But this is going to be enjoyable for me because for those that don't know, you've taken up a very exciting role at the start of the year, haven't you? You are the chairman now of the British Safety Council. Um, Can I ask you, how did this role come about for you?
1: Well, I started uh, work as a trustee of the British Safety Council, just over three years, three and a half years ago. And I've been working as a, a trustee there. I laterally became deputy chair, um, to the then chair, Lawrence Waterman, uh, who was fantastic, uh, safety professional, um, and a senior person in the field. And it's been great to be able to work from work for Lawrence and, and to uh, work with them and learn from him. Um, and, uh, Luckily, uh, I still have Lawrence on the board of trustees, um, but Lawrence and I worked very closely together over the past year, um, and then I took over as chair in October last year. So I've been chair for the last uh, nine months or so, um, and uh, it's been a really enjoyable experience.
0: Well, we'll talk more about the role, obviously, through this interview. I mean, we know Lawrence very well. He was the first ever winner of the Lifetime Achievement Awards for the uh, Safety and Health Excellence Awards. Now, you know, P- Peter, you're still a young man. I think we've got a fair way to go before we can nominate you for that. But certainly, <laughs> Lawrence is a great guy and dedicated a lot to the service. As you said, big shoes to to fill. But just just before we touch on the role... um. So Lawrence was in that post, I think, for four years. Is, is it a fixed-term tenure or is it an ongoing basis that you're going to be doing the chair role for?
1: Oh, it's a three-year tenure. So what Lawrence did is he, um, after his three years, uh, he uh, asked to be nominated for, for a year uh, with, with me kind of um, shadowing him uh, until I became chair. So I uh, start a three-year tenure from October last year.
0: Well, obviously, we know each other from your day job originally and known each other for a long time at, at Turner and Townsend. And uh, since we've known each other, life has definitely changed for both of us. You've had a meteoric rise through uh, Turner and Townsend and that we were talking off air just how much that business has grown. So for those not familiar with you and Turner and Townsend, can you tell us a bit more about your personal career experience in health and safety and about the role that you do at Turner and Townsend?
1: Yeah, of course. So I am uh, a chartered safety practitioner. and I have been for uh, over 20 years. Um, so I joined Turner and Townsend in 2016 to look after their uh, safety, health and quality business. Um, and uh, before that, I was at CAPTA for 15 years and I was laterally divisional MD, looking after a number of businesses, including health and safety. So I've always been in and around the health and safety um, market if you like uh, and um, since uh, I started at Turner Townsend I looked after the health, health safety and quality business for, for two years and then I got moved into my current role which is the Managing Director of Advisory which is um, really our, our kind of specialist in technical services it includes health and safety but a number of other services, um, just under 600 people and uh, you know, Turner and Townsend are, are a big global Professional services business uh, focused on you know program management, project management, cost management, and the uh, advisory businesses that uh, I run are, are really about driving better performance on big programs, and operations and projects. And uh, so I, I've been really lucky to to work for a you know a, a growing business that um, is focused on you know trying to improve the industry and trying to drive better performance. Um, but do it in an authentic and um, uh, and with integrity, an authentic way with integrity. So it's um, it's been a, a fantastic uh, place to be able to uh, to work and, uh, and learn uh, learn from from, from, the, from the really best people in the industry. And it cuts across, I guess, some of the big themes in the British Safety Council, um, such as you know, in Turnaround turns End, we just recently launched our our purpose, vision, and values, and. That's about being green, inclusive and productive. And, uh, you know, the British City Council have a, um, a Time to Breathe campaign, which is about trying to uh, support um, the uh, issues faced by outdoor workers when it comes to um, pollution uh, and uh, the ambient air pollution that exists that really affects outdoor workers. Um, so there's been a, a number of... Um, Crossovers there, which has been been uh, been great to be able to be involved in.
0: Well, it's funny you say that when you joined joined that company. It's probably about the time that we met each other. I was thinking before we before we did this interview. I remember. One of our first uh, catch-ups that we had, you invited me to the headquarters to come to a mock trial. I don't know if you remember this, Um yes. fire safety. Little did I know that you would stitch me up and uh, put me as the defendant in the mock trial as soon as I arrived. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I remember that. That was, uh, that was great. was was with Gerard Forlan, uh, QC, as the, as the judge
0: it was great. I mean, you've always been innovative and in stuff like that. You know, you had, a, you had a great audience of clients come into that. And you've always been focused on raising standards it has been on fire safety and health and safety. And and I, and I want to touch on that now as you as a person. Obviously, I know you, but I, I want to get this opportunity so our listeners can get to know you a bit more. You've touched on your career. And I actually, to be honest, I didn't realise your career was as long as long as it was. And I look a lot older than you is what I'm thinking when I when I see that. But you have been in the sector a long time and, and you talked about some of the roles you do now and in the past but what experience, what do you think you bring to this role as chair of the British Safety Council? What what skill set do you think you personally bring to it?
1: I, I think that the British Safety Council has a great brand and it's a great organisation and the difference it makes to people's lives and organisations uh, in terms of their um, health, safety and well-being is, is amazing and uh, the role that I have allows me to talk to our members, um, talk to our clients, talk to those that the charity touches and uh, and also celebrate their success. And recently I was at the uh, International Safety Awards. And when you start to talk to some of the, the members and the uh, the organisations that, that uh, were up for award, it's incredible the, uh, the work that they do to be able to improve um, people's health and safety and well-being and you touched on my, my career I mean I grew up in the 80s where you had Piper Alpha, you had Zubruga you had Lockerbie, you had you know countless train crashes, it was a time where um, you know people really you know in certain industries you know were were, were dying at work um, because of poor safety standards so um, it's always been a passion of mine uh, to, to get involved and try and improve Uh, the standards in the industry and uh, when I see you know the Bury City Council uh, work that that goes on and the the high standards that they aspire to support members and support organisations achieve is is really um, fantastic and and it's great to be involved and I think that that excitement and that passion that comes from seeing positive change and and and, and seeing where we can make a difference is really inspiring and and I think that um, what I bring to the role is uh, that, that kind of history of, of being able to, to raise standards, but also um, a passion for getting involved and trying to um, make sure that the, the, the organisation is supported to be the best it possibly can be. And I think that the impact that the British Safety Council has, not just in the UK, but globally, um, is, is pretty big. And um, and I've been able to see that, and I think it can have an even bigger impact Um, Because really across the globe, there are still people dying at work and there's still people going to work, not knowing if they're going to come back. Uh, And, you know, I think that what I'm trying to do is to make sure that we've got uh, as big as impact as possible and and as far reaching as possible to try and improve those standards where, where they need to improve.
0: Yeah and we'll talk about the British Safety Council as well. I mean all of our listeners will know who the British Safety Council are and it's very much a very progressive and growing organisation over recent years in in particular and, and and I would encourage anyone listening to this to become a member of the British Safety Council and we'll talk about that a bit more in a minute. But now that you are nine months nearly into, into this role, um, can I ask you what were the aims you had coming into the role maybe still have you know you've got three year tenure as you've said at the moment what are your aims for being chair what would you personally like to achieve or help me i mean you touched upon it there a bit we can see what's important to you of keeping people safe and we talk that about on the podcast a lot that there is still people dying at work it's much reduced in the uk but the target number is zero obviously but what are your personal aims in this role
1: I think that I came into the role at quite an interesting time. Uh, we had COVID. Um, people were coming out of COVID um, around that time. And organisations were struggling uh, with trying to um, deal with a, a massive wave of mental health. The realisation that people come first in organisations, then that in order to get the best out of people, you need to make sure that they're thriving at work, that uh, you're looking after their wellbeing, the amount of time people spend at work. Um Means that organisations, you know, do have an increased responsibility to make sure that, that uh, they look after their, their people. And I think that um, as, as organisations come out of COVID, one of my big aims is to is to make sure that it's not just that people are are, are safe and, and don't suffer injuries or ill health, but they're actually they thrive in their workplace. And uh, you know, we've recently launched a Keep Thriving campaign uh, at parli- in Parliament um, last month. Which uh, where I uh, did a, a hosted an event with uh, a couple of um, senior MPs, and we were able to to really, you know, get across the key message that you know about it's important that uh, people when they go to work that they're able to thrive, and that organisations take the right steps to facilitate that and make that happen. And this isn't a you know a high cost investment. This is just about making sure that you're putting people at the, start at the heart of your strategy. And that you're um, making sure that you've got that senior leadership in place uh, to help people thrive in the workplace, and I think that's that's a really important aim of of mine over the next few years, is to make sure that we are really in that uh, not just health and safety, but health, safety and wellbeing as well, being a natural extension of that.
0: Well, actually, I was going to touch on that. I mean, the British Safety Council have been as visible as anybody in the last, I'd say. 12 to 24 months whether to do with health and well-being you've been very publicly speaking on that as an organisation you were right at the front of when we come to health side of things to do with the pandemic it it does seem to be that the British Safety Council has really focused on not just health and safety but health and well-being is absolutely at the core of what you do now isn't it?
1: It it is uh, uh, absolutely Um, and uh, as the UK Um, standards uh, improve. You know, it's a natural extension uh, into into that space because if you look at uh, the reasons why people um, are um, off sick at work or if they're um, not reaching their potential, you know, a large proportion of of individuals uh, uh, have poor mental health or they're not getting the right support at work or they're not thriving at work. And um, so in terms of making sure that um, uh the very Safety Council uh is still relevant in 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 um in, in mainstream health safety and wellbeing it is important that wellbeing is a is seen as equally as important as health and safety. Um and COVID has absolutely amplified that um over the past uh couple of years. And I think it will take you know several years um before we're able to see the full impact.
0: Yeah I'd agree with that and we've covered the well-being aspect that COVID gives for remote workers and when I've interviewed uh, D.R. from Nibosh so listeners of the podcast will be very familiar on that so one question I wanted to ask you so, so now you have been in the post for the amount of time you have about nine months how are you finding the role you know you seem really excited to, to be we talked about it off air and we're always talking about it now you seem as enthused as I've ever seen you on stuff you seem to be really enjoying the role.
1: Yeah, it's great, and I've, I've actually got we've got a great executive team, we've got a great board of trustees, um, who all work really well, really close together, um, and um, we all uh, are marching in the right direction uh, for a common common goal. Really, so that makes my job a lot easier, and it's a pleasure to work with um, the the teams that uh, that I have, uh, and it makes it very enjoyable. Um, so it's hard work but it's a lot of fun as well and when you're trying to um, help organisations uh, do the right thing and you see the fruits of that, it's in, incredibly motivating so it, it is it is great and the British Safety Council um, does a lot of work in India as well um, and the India is probably our fastest growing uh, market uh, we've, we've had a, uh, an office there for a number of years Um, and I was actually talking to our our country manager uh, recently and we're about to look at a a proposal for further investment there because it's uh, uh, really uh, a growing space. The British City Council has a fantastic brand in India and I see that being a big part of our future as well and and not just India and the UK but the Middle East and other geographies as well. So it's been fantastic to be able to be a part of an organisation that is so far reaching... Um, as, uh, as we are, but, but also to be able to um, talk to, you know, whether it's MPs or whether it's um, very, very senior people in, in the sector or, or whether it's, you know, chief executives of organisations, they're all interested in what the British Safety Council has, uh, has to say. They're all interested in trying to work with us to help drive standards up, improve performance levels. Um, and it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a very purposeful organisation and, and that makes my job a lot a lot easier and, and makes my, um, it helps me jump out bed in the morning excited about what lies ahead.
0: But, you know, roles like these are often very, very challenging roles, the busy roles, etc. as well. Can I ask you, what are the main challenges you think are facing um, the British Safety council? Now, you could answer that how you wish. You could talk about structurally as an organisation, or you could talk about, the wider health and safety sector issues as a whole. I'm just interested in your role now. What are you finding to be the main challenges now you're in post?
1: Well, I mean, I think that partly it's natural to look at the organisation in terms of the impact it can have um, uh, to help others. But you know, life has changed in the last couple of years um, with regard to you know working remotely and uh, the needs of people. You know, and, and British Safety Council has to change as well. Uh, so I guess that uh, one of the challenges I have is about, not least, supporting the executive to be able to um, make sure that uh, the British Safety Council um, is, you know, modernises as well. At the same time as uh, we're having the biggest impact we can in the market. So I think that um, that uh, you know these changes don't just affect our members or other organisations; they affect British Safety Council as well. You know, still. Um, over 100 members of staff, um, and uh, you know we're a, a big organisation, and um, you know it's important that uh, we uh, act with integrity and 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 um, make sure that uh, we practice what we preach in terms of giving our own people um, uh, focus on their wellbeing and focus on uh, making sure that we're modernising in terms of remote working and making sure that we are doing the right things there as well. So um that's uh that's one of the i guess the challenges as as we move forward is making sure that uh, we're we're both looking at our own organisation as well as helping others
0: and you know obviously i said at the start of this podcast interview that um i would urge anybody to become a british safety council member and if you want more information about um, becoming a member or about what the british safety council do you can go to www.britsafe.com dot org but peter just want to throw this open as a chance to you if people listening here aren't a british safety council member and you know you are a safety and health practitioner that's that's what you are you said right from the start going back now for over two decades why should someone like you or someone listening become a member of the british safety council in your opinion
1: I mean, I think that uh, I think being a member, uh, you obviously get access to lots of information and lots of resources, um, which is particularly useful uh, in times like COVID, where organisations were wondering what do we do. And actually, during COVID, we, we we were able to provide information free of charge and resources free of charge for for anybody to access, which was great to be able to do. But uh, what it does is that. Uh, you know, you get access to some some fantastic uh, information, but also it, you get access to to support um, and to be associated with you know a great brand like the British Safety Council, and also some discounts on things like um, training and you know some of the uh, the um, auditing arrangements that we have in place as well. Which um, you know we have a, a, a sword of honor um, award at the end of the year, which is uh, you know the highest standard of of health and safety, and and, and it's great to be able to. Um, showcase, uh, you know, the success of an organisation's, uh, you know, health and safety and maturity and how it its people. So, I think that there's lots of, of ways of being able to um, to access those through, through membership. And and actually, there's some other ways that organisations to get involved as well, like our Keep Thriving campaign. Organisations can sign up for that. As well on our website, and and what that does is it um, it, it signs up to the the, sort of the, the principles around um, putting people first in your organisation and making sure that leadership are setting the standard in terms of helping uh, its people meet the uh, meet their potential, maximise their potential, and um, and and focus on their on their well-being. So there's lots of ways to get involved with the British City Council, and the website has all the information. Um, and uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, I'd encourage you to do that as well. Yes,
0: yeah, so obviously, as I said, the website is www.britsafe.org, or you can just put in your search engine, British Safety Council, up they come. Peter, obviously, in his day job is at Turner & Townsend, so if you want more information on Turner & Townsend, you can go to www.turnerandtownsend.org. Dot com. Funnily enough, as you know very well, we did a webinar with Turner and Townsend over a couple of months ago and that is now available to watch for free on demand on our sister publication, Fire Safety Matters. And we did a fantastic webinar with Turner and Townsend on the impacts of the building safety bill. It's completely free to watch and you get CPD for watching it. So I'd urge you to go to fsmatters.com or Google Fire Safety Matters, click on the webinars tab and there is that uh, webinar for impacts of the building safety bill on that tab. But if people want to get in touch with you personally is the best way to do that via LinkedIn or follow you on LinkedIn is that the best way to do it if anyone's got a question about Turner and Townsend or British Safety Council what should they do Peter?
1: Yeah I'm uh, on LinkedIn and uh, I'm I'm quite um, active on LinkedIn uh, so please um, message me on LinkedIn or connect on LinkedIn and it'd be great to hear from people.
0: Brilliant well thank you so much for your time today I I could say congratulations on the role but you've had it a while now and we purposely waited so you were (laughs) in post so we could have this discussion but you know on a personal level I'm thrilled for you and and it's great to see you really enjoying it
1: thanks Mark thanks very much great to see you again and uh, look forward to listening to future podcasts as they get released
0: So now we return to the news. And as I said before, you don't have to wait for this podcast to see all the latest news and health and safety. You can go to our website, which is hsmsearch.com, or just put into your search engine on the internet, health and safety matters, and up we pop. So the next news story is something that is particularly important to me. This is big news for us at Health and Safety Matters, and that is the fact that uh, Western Business Media, my company, and the publisher of HSM, has extended our strategic partnership with the British Safety Industry Federation. So we have done a big news story out there and press release, and all you need to do is go onto our website, zoomsearch.com, on the BSIF website, put in the search engine, uh, Western Business Media, and up it will pop. You know, we have been key strategic partners of the British Safety Industry Federation for many a year. And I'm absolutely delighted that we can announce that we've got another five-year extension that will start from this December for an additional five years. We work so closely with the British Safety Industry Federation, we're their official journal, and we're very, very proud of that. Obviously, we do more than just be the official Journal, we cover obviously all of their uh, news and the great work the British Agency Federation does. We have exclusive content that comes from them. You know, they supply a number of things for us in terms of experts, whether it's on this podcast, whether it's on CPD webinars, um, you know, digital conferences. You know, they're a great resource for us to have experts in health and safety that are really championing the improvement of standards in health and safety as a whole. And you know, obviously, we launched the Safety and Health Excellence Awards together with the BSIF, which incorporated the long-established BSIF Awards, and you know that happens every year. And you guys have massively got behind that over the last five years. And yes, we will be opening entries for free again for the Safety Excellence Awards in September of 2022, and, and run the event again. Uh, which obviously takes place at the Vox in April of 2023. And and it has become the biggest net we can do in the sector. Something, again, we're proud of. We do the annual guide to UK Fire safety. the BSAF guide, as it's called, every December. And that is the go-to annual guide for the health and safety sector. So it's something that you know i'm f- normally grateful to the bsaf board particularly ceo alan murray for trusting us to want to extend this partnership it was the first contract myself and my two business partners signed the day after we uh did a management buyout to buy this company um you know <laughs> about three years ago my first day at the company came back six years ago i had to um write the press release for my then bosses, Neil Weston and uh, Tim else, um, about the partnership with the BSIF. It was, it was new to do with the, the health and safety event, uh, and the magazines at the time uh, had already had the support, but the event hadn't, and BSIF is still partners of the health and safety event, and I'm very proud of that. So that was the very first thing I had to do on my very first day. So obviously I've known... Uh, the BSAF for years before that from being a journalist in the sector. So the relationship with the BSAF, the importance of it cannot be understated. It's something that um, we're very, very, very proud of and delighted to be able to extend. And it gives us, what does it mean to you? Well, it gives us access to get quality information um, from the BSAF to spread their message is what they get out of it too. And, you know, it really raises awareness about the work that they do. So to Alan and everybody at BSAF, I know you already know this, but thank you for sticking with us. I'm really excited about the stuff that we'll do over the next five years. And we will get Alan back on the podcast at some point. But, you know, Alan is quoted in the press release. And Alan Murray said, I'm delighted on behalf of the BSAF membership to continue the strong relationship into the future. This partnership has been fruitful, progressive, value-adding, and taking our key messages right across the relevant media platforms. Good safety is a strength of businesses assisting in key areas beyond just safety into productivity and sustainability. The BSIF and Western business media relationship, which obviously has HSM at the core is vital in spreading and amplifying these crucial messages. So thank you, Alan for that quote and uh, yeah, that's big news for us and we're, we're absolutely delighted to be able to share that with you. So some other news for you, a couple more things, uh, to cover on the news aspect here. So this one, I want to share with you, it's a prosecution, not well, kind of prosecution, you'll understand what I'm saying in a minute. It's actually, a Crown censure. Now, we don't cover these very often because they don't happen very often, thank heavens. And if you don't know what a Crown censure means is, it's effectively health and safety failings that would have led to a prosecution if it wasn't a government department or part of you know uh, the government and this in this situation it's the ministry of defense so they can't be prosecuted in a court of law for that reason and fined etc because um because they're not a external business entity uh, etc so i always find these interesting to cover and it, and it shows that people are being held to account even in Departments like the Ministry of Defence. So, the MOD has been issued with a crown censure by the Health of Sage Executive after a Royal Marine recruit died during a routine training exercise. On the 21st of January 2020, Royal Marine recruit Ethan Jones drowned while taking part in a training exercise involving a night beach landing in Chinguntal Beach in Cornwall. As the final part of their training, the recruits took part in an exercise which included disembarking from a landing craft into the sea and wading to shore. The depth of the water was deeper than anticipated and a number of recruits were submerged and had been rescued. Recruit Ethan Jones was sadly found floating next to the landing craft although he was recovered from the water and transported by air to hospital he tragically died three days later so the health and Safety executive obviously investigated the incident and found the mod had failed to undertake a suitable and sufficient risk assessment failed to properly plan failed to properly supervise and therefore failed to ensure the safety of their employees during what should have been a routine training exercise by accepting the crown censure the MOD admitted breaching its duty under Section 2.1 of the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974. HSE Inspector Emma O'Hara said on this, this was a very serious incident, which has resulted in the death of a young Royal Marine recruit at the start of his military career. Just like any other employee, the MOD has a responsibility to take all reasonably practical steps to control the risks to the safety of its employees. In this case, they failed to do so. HSE fully recognises the importance of properly manage realistic military training, but this does not mean the training itself should pose recruits to uncontrolled or inadequately controlled hazards. HSE expects training exercises to be properly planned, managed through suitable and sufficient risk assessments and safe systems of work. What an absolutely tragic story this is. Um, It's a very different uh, fatality to cover. Now, listen, the work that our armed forces do um, is phenomenal. Um, and I don't mind saying that you know they deserve all the respect in the world of keeping us safe when we, when we need to be kept safe. The brave men and women that are part of that, I, I, I tip my cap to. And yes, they know they're risking their lives doing this. They know it's as dangerous a job as you can do. You are willing to lay down your life for your country doing this job, but not this. Not in a training exercise. Now. It's very difficult. It's maybe maybe the most difficult thing you can possibly have to prepare for a training exercise that is meant to imitate a real life war situation. But this is a drill, and IHSC are absolutely right that the MOD should have done more to make sure that suitable, sufficient risk assessment and properly planning this. No one should be dying in a training incident, and it's no different than than what I said earlier, that everyone has the right to return from work safe. And in this situation, this is training to do with work. This isn't a real life combat situation. And I'm not downplaying the difficulty of having to simulate this and the risks involved. But, you know, this is a true tragedy. And, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, uh, my thoughts go out to the victim's family uh, and friends. But, I wanted to share this with you because we do cover court cases from time to time on the podcast because this is something very different and and some of you may not be aware that you know people like the Ministry of Defence can be prosecuted via Crown Censure for this so you know it, it's a fascinating one but we obviously cover prosecutions in depth all the time in the magazine and pretty much daily sadly um, on the Health and Safety Matters website so I would urge you to go to hsmsearch.com. Click in the news section to see all of the latest news. But if you want to see more information on this, just go to the website and type in MOD Crown Censure and up it will pop. So the last thing I want to cover is the fact that uh, registration is now open for the Southern edition of Safety, Health and Wellbeing Live or SHW Live. Now, you'll know very well this originally took place in Manchester earlier in the year. Well... The southern one is taking place in farmer international on 28th and 29th of september 2022 and hsm is a very proud media partner of this event the first one was really enjoyable in in manchester and you know for those of you based in the south of england this is your chance to get quality cpd for free attend for free and see all the latest products and services uh in an exhibition so you know it offers as the organizers say it offers great cpd opportunities with great networking opportunities and a great chance to see you know fantastic leading brands in the health and safety world so you know they've released a press release on this and the organizers which are what else events and that is tim else my former boss um you know they're pleased to announce that registrations are now open for the event that takes place at farmer international uh Exhibition and Conference Centre, as I said, on the 28th, 29th September 2022. Safety, Health and Wellbeing Live aims to champion excellence in workplace safety and occupational health, as well as inspiring improved standards in mental health and wellbeing. So this unique regional event is designed to enable the occupational safety and health communities to shift the dial on health and safety culture in the workplace so professionals responsible for health safety and well-being within their organizations so you guys that are listening are invited to register now to come and discover for free the latest innovations And also enhance your professional knowledge, discuss industry trends and build important relationships with other industry professionals in the community. SHW Live's exhibition brings together industry-leading brands and suppliers showcasing the latest innovations, including live demonstrations and application inspiration to give Osh professionals the tools they need to shift, enact real change in the workplace. So it's a two-day event, as we said and there's a huge variety of speakers you know, these events are delivered in collaboration with the Health and Safety Executive and other key event partners include the British Safety Council, NEBOSH, BOHS, Safety Groups UK, UKARTA, the Institute of Occupational Medicine and Safety for Good. So... You know there's a lot to look forward to there you know i'm looking forward to going hsm uh will have a stand there and all the magazines around the theaters etc and you know we're very very excited to uh be there and you know this really this event really brings health and safety to the regions you know there's a north one and the south one for for a reason and you know the southern one it's your chance to go if you didn't go to the first one you missed out Hope you go and come and chat to me and others um, on the 28th and 29th September. But if you want to register for free, all you need to do is go to www.safetyhealthwellbeing.live. That's safetyhealthwellbeing.live. Or just throw into Google or your search engines Safety Health and Wellbeing Live and up it will pop. And it is entirely free to attend. Well, that's all we've got time for in this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. As I've said throughout this, you can see all the latest health and safety news, prosecutions, products and services, and a huge back archive of CPD webinars and all of our upcoming CPD webinars on our website, which is hsmsearch.com. We'll just throw into a search engine. Health and Safety Matters, and up we will pop. You can register to get copies in print or digital of our magazine for free via the website. You can sign up to our twice-a-week e newsletter on there. And as I said a moment ago, you can, of course get all of our upcoming and past webinars on there so do go to hsmsearch.com i'd like to thank again our sponsor of the podcast who once again is the health and safety event and as i've mentioned you know if you haven't gone to it before you're a fool it's a great three days and the next time it happens is the 25th to 27th of april 2023 at the NEC in Birmingham it is the single largest health and safety exhibition in the UK. It's a true national show, and it's co-located to the fire safety event, the security event, and the workplace event. So if you want to uh, find out more information about that, all you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com. In the meantime, please do follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you've got any feedback on the podcast, use the hashtag HSM podcast. But thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join me. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and I look forward to welcoming you on the next edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast.